Grace and peace to you all this morning. So I've noticed something over the last week or two. As I've been watching my family get up, because my kids don't have to go to school, so we're not all waking up to an alarm clock at at 6 o'clock every morning. We all get up differently in my family. My wife gets up when I tell her, Bridget, it's time to go, it's time to go. She gets up by taking the blankets and pulling them all the way over her head and wrapping herself in them so that I cannot bother her anymore. (laughs) She's not excited to get out of bed and start her day. I really can't poke too much fun at her because what happens to me is my alarm goes off and then I hit the snooze and then I hit the snooze again. And usually by then I start to feel guilty that I haven't gotten up, so I like check in my email on my phone, pretending I'm working. You know, doing important things like Facebook and Twitter. Playing my video game moves, stuff like that. But eventually what happens is I start to feel that, you know what, I am supposed to be up. I've got this sense of duty that kind of forces me up out of bed, pushes me out of the blankets, out into the cold, and makes me go do the things I need to do. Now my kids, on the other hand, this is how they wake up. Yeah! It's a great day! Let's go play some Minecraft! Let's go watch some unicorn videos that drive dad crazy. It's a new day. Every day that they get up, they're so excited to get up. This is how excited they are. I got them these little Echo Dot things for Christmas. And those Echo Dot things, they're they're like Alexa things. They talk to them. My son figured out how to set an alarm on his so he could get up earlier. Yesterday morning, the one day that we get a chance to sleep a little bit longer. I mean, we're still up by like 7, but his alarm goes off at 6 o'clock. And it's 6.01, he's in the bedroom going, Hey, I learned how to set my alarm. Now I can get up earlier every day. (laughs) To which my wife said, And I said, I'll get up and make you breakfast. I have to. (laughs) But they are just so excited about every day. Because every day that you wake up and you draw breath is a glorious day. That God has provided for us. My kids are so excited and they get this idea that every day is a glorious day. And it's probably my fault because when they were in preschool, I used to wake them up to go to preschool by singing, Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. And now they do that and I'm like, Oh, please give God quieter glory. Let me sleep. But every day we're given breath is a glorious day if we allow ourselves to see it, really see it. Back in the day, long ago, Israel was not doing a great job of seeing it. The prophet Isaiah was sent to preach to them about their sin and their social injustice, all the petty personal unkindnesses and society's grand indifference to the suffering and oppression of the least among them. That's what he was sent to talk about. But he promised, he promised from God to the people that if they returned to the ways of God and they really turned to take the path that God had laid out for them, that they would be redeemed. 
That's what God wanted Isaiah to tell the people he wanted them to say, look, I've got this gift of salvation for you. And if you just receive this gift, you'll see how it changes your life. And when it changes you, it's going to bring others into that same path because they're going to see you. You are going to be a shining example. And others are going to want the same gift that you got. God's call to them and through them to us is to rise and shine. Want to know where that song came from? came from a verse in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. You might want to look it up because that's where I'm going to start today in just a minute. It is a call to rise and shine. It's a call to bring the glory of God's light to the darkest places. We look outside the windows. It is a dark day. How do we brighten it up out there? We got to brighten it up. We need to be lights. We need to be the people who reach into these dark places so that every lost soul knows that they are valued and valuable. And that everyone learns that they can carry the light for themselves. So when we see what God is doing, it's compelling. It draws us in. It makes us want to be a part of what is going on. I want to be part of what's happening. I don't want to be a bystander. I don't want to be someone who turns their back on the light and just kind of hopes that they can stay in darkness for their whole life. I don't want to oversleep any miracles. Now, most people live like they have blankets pulled over their heads. Have you noticed that? I don't want to see what other people are doing. I don't want to know anything about other people. They're afraid to open up and get out into the world. They're surrounding themselves with their fears. They try to, try to shield themselves from everything outside by putting that fear up as that blanket to keep them in darkness. I don't want any different ideas anywhere near me because it hurts my brain when I have to think. I don't want anyone with a different culture living near me because they might cause me to change. I don't want to change. I want to be the same all the time. I don't want people who look different anywhere near me because I'm comfortable with my own kind. Heaven forbid we even think that possibly there is no such thing as your own kind. Maybe we're all human beings. Maybe every person has been created in God's own image and the whole diversity of life reflects God in some way. Did you ever think about that? A lot of people don't. Because if you don't push the blankets off your head, you will continue to live in the darkness of your fears. If we don't rise, we will not see that there's even a light to shine. you got to rise. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. This was God's word to Israel through Isaiah. This is what he wanted them to hear. These are the instructions for how they become a godly culture. Rise and shine. Why should they rise and shine? Well, he says, because your light has come. Well, what is the light? Jesus, what a great answer. One of the three great answers in church. God, Jesus, and love. If you get those three answers, you got half of the questions anyone ever asks. John chapter 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Not only is Jesus light, but those who follow him receive light that shines from them as well, if they are walking Jesus' path. 
someone says, I am a Christ follower, but there's no light coming from them, you know they're not really following Jesus. They've lost their light. So now we know Jesus is light, but what does it mean for us to share the light? John chapter 15, starting at verse 9. You know what? I'm going to read a big section. It's going to take all of like a minute. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, look, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, just as you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Then he goes on and says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And he ends with this. This is my command. Love each other. How many times did he say love in that little passage? <coughs> Nine times in this particular English translation. What do you think was important for Jesus to convey to people? Love. What did he ask them to do? What did he command them to do? What is the light that he wants us to pass from one person to another? Love. You got it. Love is the light. Jesus came to spread love. That's the light that he came to bring to the world. Love, true love. Agape love. That's the, the word in Greek that's getting translated as love in every one of these instances. Agape. It means the choice that you make to put the welfare of another ahead of your own. It is literally a a willful act to care about someone else. A willful act to care about someone else. It's a decision that we all have to make. Am I going to give a damn or not? I do every day. Good. Keep it up. Thank you. Because people in darkness crave light. People who have light should long to share the light. I do. How many of you want to be loved? Anyone who doesn't raise their hand is lying or burned out. I want to be loved. Lord, I would like to ask the Lord to have this woman right here love me. I love her a lot. Everybody knows it. Stick to agape love. Don't wander into the other loves today. We're sticking to agape love. Do you know why we don't love other people? In some cases, that would be true. And that would be horrible. I'm going to demonstrate love. I'm going to show you an illustration. We don't like to share our love because we're afraid it's going to run out. So we only want to give it to people we really care about. I have here a piece of paper. We're going to say that the corners on this piece of paper represent love. This is how much love I have. How many corners do I have? Four corners, excellent. You can do math. That's good. So I've got four corners of love. I won't want to run out of my love, so I have to be very careful about who I give this to. 
But you know what? Jesus commanded that I have to share love, so I'm going to share a little bit of my love. Here you go, John. You need some love, brother. There you go. I'm giving you one corner of my love. I have now given away one of my four corners of love, which means I only have one, two, three, four, five. Okay, I had four. I gave away one, and now I have... Wait a minute. Hold that up. I thought I gave you one corner, but you've got three. So I've just given away one-fourth of my love, and yet somehow I have twice as much as I did to start with. Obviously, that can't possibly be right. So we're going to try this again. All right, so I've got love. Here I've got five corners of love. I'm going to cut up uh, one corner here. I'll just give this away. You look like you need some love. Here you go. There's some love for you. Right now, I had five corners. I gave one away. So now I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Crap, it's like every time I give love away, it multiplies. Do you think this is how it's supposed to work? This is how it's supposed to work. But we're afraid. I don't want to give up my love. I need to keep it. It's treasured. I don't want to share it with other people. No idea where I am in my notes now. If every corner represents my love, have I diminished it at all by sharing it? No, No, it grows every time I share it. Every time. That's what God's love in us is supposed to be like. That's our light. That's what it can do when we share it. The more we share, the brighter the world around us gets. I want love that gets shared. I want to see the world lighten up. I want to see love happen much more than fear. That's why we need to rise. That's why I have to take off the blanket of fear that we keep wrapped around our heads. Because if we don't take that off, we can't let light shine. Each one of us is given light that we are supposed to carry into the darkness. And as individuals, we can share our light like one candle lighting another. If there's one candle that lights another, do you only have one flame that moves from place to place? No, you end up with two flames. Twice the light. Same as taking off the corners. You end up with more corners. It doesn't diminish us in any way. It doubles the light. Sharing light never diminishes it. Have I said the same thing enough different ways that it's going to stick with you? Sharing the light never diminishes it. Never. The more broadly it's shared, the less chance there is that the light can be extinguished. If you just have one candle flame and you keep it hidden in a jar and you put a lid on it so it doesn't get wet, what happens? Burns out all the oxygen in the jar and it goes out. What happens if you use that candle to light a hundred other candles? Doesn't matter if it's raining, you're still going to have light. Maybe a drop will extinguish one here or there, but the rest of them are going to be burning just fine and they can relight you. Not that the light of God could ever be put out. See, that's the point here. There's nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing to fear. How can people see what God is doing if we keep our light hidden or refuse to share it with people who are in darkness? So rise and shine because the glory of the Lord has risen on you. Second point. This can't stay restricted to just one or two individuals either. As people share, we don't just 
have little dots of light. We become a community of light. We're not just one light in a dark room. We become a lit up room. We chase out the shadows. Dots of brightness dawn to be seen in this black shrouded world. And this is not just some crazy idea that I have. I promise. This is what God told Isaiah to tell the people. Isaiah chapter 60 verses 2 and 3. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Light is the love of God. So what's the darkness? Darkness covers the people. Darkness covers the world. What is the darkness we're trying to dispel? Evil. That's good. Psalm 18 says, You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. This suggests that one way to think of it could be the absence of God's love. That's what darkness is. The absence of God's love. In the creation story, the darkness that existed before God said, let there be light, was thought to be this chaos, this unchangeable, constantly changing stuff. But God said, let there be light and separated the chaos from the order. Job, in his book, referred to it as the state of living as a curse. And the prophet Daniel called it a place where things tried to hide, but God knows. Darkness is where things try to hide, but God knows what's there. God can bring the light to the darkness. In later times, acts of evil were associated with darkness. So it was thought that any good that was done brought light, and any bad that was done brought darkness. Made the world a little bit darker. Those who do wrong are said to be blind, while those who do right are said to be truly able to see. Right? So it's not hard to see why God says that darkness covers the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But he also says he rises on them and his glory shines above them. That's what he promised the the people of Israel through Isaiah. It's going to be like dawn breaking over the horizon. How many of you have ever been up when uh, the sun came up? Yeah. I said, a lot of us. uh, When that light first appears over the horizon, you look at it. Every single person, this is what happens. When that light breaks over the horizon, you look and see it. Because it's attractive. It draws your gaze to it. It makes you want to look at it. Just like a person who lives out God's love will be one that others turn to. So a nation that reflects God's glory becomes one that other people come to. That's what he's telling these people. How many of you saw the Black Panther movie? Anyone? I love superhero movies. I'm kind of a geek. I absolutely love superhero movies, even though I completely disagree with the basic premise of superheroes, which is that you can solve problems by punching them. I don't believe in that at all. And that was the basic premise of Black Panther. Here, let's punch some people. Throw them under trucks. They get run over. But that did not solve any of the problems. However, there was a theme that ran all the way through the film, which I just finally saw just a couple of weeks ago. If you hide what you have from the world, are you helping yourself or are you just hurting the rest of the world? 
That's the question that they're asking all the way through the movie. The movie explores this idea that a nation's hiding their light, in this case, the advanced technology that the people in Wakanda had. If they're hiding their light, are they actually causing real harm to people in the rest of the world? There were so many lives that they would have been able to save if they had shared what they knew. There are so many new advances that never occurred because they didn't have very many people. So there's only a few people who actually had ideas about what to do with all this new stuff. People weren't given a chance. So many people who found out about this secret tried to find ways to use the secret as a weapon against other people because no one knew. So if I can keep it a secret, I can use it. I can use it to help me. I can turn that hidden light into a weapon rather than letting it shine on the world like life-giving rays from the sun. And at the end of the movie, what they decide is we need to share this with the world. They reach this definite conclusion. They said the foolish build walls while the wise build bridges. You know what God does all the way through Scripture? He tries to build bridges. Remember how when Jesus was born, an angel came to announce the birth to a whole bunch of shepherds nearby? The angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for whom? All the people. Everyone. All people everywhere. Not just a select few inside the borders of Israel, but everyone. And this was hardly the first time God made that kind of declaration. Way back in Genesis, he called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Who's going to be blessed through him? Everybody. Everybody. All. Same as in Luke 2. Same as we have here in Isaiah 60. God builds bridges and he wants us to use those bridges so that the light will spread to everyone. All. Just as individuals need to share the light, God is saying nations need to share their light. It's part of the requirement from God that we carry the light to the darkness. Carrying the light to the darkness is how we show others what God is doing. All the others, as God promised, even the others that we might not expect. This is where it gets hard because... God says this is for everybody. How many actually want everybody to be saved? How many of you are excited that everybody is going to be saved? Okay, now those of you who've raised your hand, think about the person you absolutely hate the most in all of history. Are you excited that God might save them? We don't know anyone else's position in this world, how they stand with God. We only know how we stand with God. What if in his last minutes, Hitler made a heartfelt confession to Christ? How many of you are excited that there was a possibility that Hitler could be saved? No one. I'm excited by the possibility. I'm not hopeful for the reality. How many of you are excited that serial killers could be saved? There's a couple of serial killers from the 80s and 90s who had conversion moments in prison, led by pastors who I know and trust their opinion, who believe that these men very sincerely gave their hearts to Christ. 
Ted Bundy. James Dobson, Dr. James Dobson, the guy who runs Focus on the Family, or did till he retired a few years ago, he became the pastor to Ted Bundy. And he said he fully believed that Ted Bundy gave his life to Christ, that he surrendered all of his evil and took the light of God. Jeffrey Dahmer, man, killed and ate children. This is not someone I am in favor of being saved. However, God has a bigger picture than I do. Jeffrey Dahmer had a pastor in prison who said he gave his life to Christ. You could see the difference in his life over the last year that he lived here. Now, was that a prison conversion? Was that a real conversion? I can't say. Who can say about other people? Only God. I can only talk about me. God saves who God saves. Absolutely. God's light, God's love is for everyone. And we are supposed to be the light to the world so that God's glory will draw people in. But who do you think that means? Let's go back to Isaiah 60, verse 4. Lift up your eyes and look around you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar. Your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah and all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Who all is coming to the light? Everyone is coming to the light. All assemble and come to you when you share God's light. And it starts small with family members. That was what he was talking about. Your sons and your daughters. All these people you've been separated from. Some grown. Others small in our arms. They're all going to be drawn together in God's glory. That's the love of God being shined out. It calls them home. And that's easy to think about. We like to think about that. But then others arrive. Those from Midian and Ephah. Do you know who those were? Enemies. Enemies of Israel, or at least they were those that they thought of as enemies. The very name Midian actually means strife, arguing, conflict, strife. The Midianites had been sent away by Abraham. They tried to seduce the people of the Lord into worshiping Canaanite gods. They had invaded and oppressed Israel in the time of the judges using camels as military forces to strike fast and hard into the promised land. So when God says, young camels of Midian will cover your land, that's what the people are going to go back to. Wait a minute. Last time that happened, it was like tanks rolling in. They crushed us for generations. Even after they'd been driven out, Midian hid the enemies of Israel inside their borders and they worked against God's people. But the light of God is calling them in? Is that right? And Ephah? That was Midian's tribe brothers and sisters. They're being allowed freely into God's light. They're being brought into God's nation as God's people. But that's what's happening. That's what God says is good. The light will draw them in. Sheba. Sheba was even harder to take because that was a people who Israel had subjected and oppressed. 
People who had come in chains to God's nation in the past. People who had been enslaved by Israel. Should we offer God's light to them as well? What if they want more? What if they're bent on revenge? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Remember, God's love is a choice that we make. We choose to put the welfare of others first. That's what that word love, agape, that's what that means. We choose to live out God's will regardless of what's gone before. We proclaim the praise of the Lord and allow the whosoever to come to God's glory. God's love demands that we welcome all. And God's love attracts all. Oh, that's hard. That can be hard. But in God's love, we have to let go of our anger towards those who have hurt us. And we have to trust that in God's love, those we have hurt will also be able to let go of their anger towards us. Those are the two things that we fear the most. Someone hurting us and that someone we hurt is going to come back for revenge. That in public speaking. People are afraid of public speaking. A guy named Archibald Hard, he once said, Forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. God, through the Apostle Paul, says the same thing in a little bit different way here. Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. It says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul goes on in, in Romans 5 to say that God actually accepted us while we were still his enemies. While we were still fighting against him, God forgave us and asked us to come in. What does that tell us about our need to accept those we fear might be enemies? It tells us God's got it covered. More importantly, what does it tell us about the possibilities of accepting those who've been enemies in the past? It tells us God's got it covered. It tells us God's light will attract everyone. And God's love can reach everyone. I don't care who you are, what you've done. God's love is there for you. And it's our job to carry the light to the darkness so that everyone can see what God is doing and praise his name together. One big family. It can happen if we let our faith be bigger than our fear. God is calling us to be a part of what He's doing. He wants us to rise and shine. Because it's when we shine the light and love of God into the darkness, and it attracts everyone, and it draws them in, that's when they receive the light in their own lives. Just the way that we receive God's light, and we get to show it in our lives. But if we refuse to carry light to the darkness, if we refuse to let our light shine, it doesn't happen. It can't happen. If we remain in bed with the covers of fear pulled in around our heads, then we will find that we are living in darkness. And if you are living in darkness, you can't even really call that living. You really can't. Instead, what we should do is we should pop out with excitement like my kids do in the morning. 
eager to be in the light of a new day. Eager to explore it. Eager to share it. Eager to see how the darkness flees wherever the light comes close. I want to bring light to the world that way. We need to see what God is doing and then take up our part in that work. We need to carry His light to the darkness. We need to make an effort to bring kindness to the dark. Bring kindness to those cold corners around us. Bring some warmth. Bring some light. We have to build the bridges that reach out to bring others in. We need to share the love and the light that God has given us so that we can see it increase in our lives and then in the lives of those around us as they're drawn in. But first, we have to accept the light ourselves. So may I ask this. Think about this. Are you living with darkness as your companion? If you are, why not come to the light? God's light is beckoning you. It's trying to draw you close. God has love and light He wants to give to each one of us. He wants you to be warmed by the sun. Just like the people in Isaiah's day, you are called rise and shine. Rise and shine. Come to the Lord so that He can give you the light. We have to allow God to kindle that light in us. Kindle that flame in our souls. If you've never accepted God's forgiveness, let me invite you. You can come and do so. Look, we've got these places. You can come and kneel and pray if you're so inclined. If you've never felt the flame of God's Holy Spirit filling you with His passion and power, we invite you, come and pray for that. Say, God, I want to feel that. If you've ever felt lost in the darkness and you just need to get a glimpse of some distant flickering light so that you know that some of this might be true so that God maybe is reaching out to you, pray for that. He will show it to you. Absolutely, we'll show it to you. God will set a beacon that draws you in and shows you how you can carry light in your own life. Darkness can never overcome the light. When I got here this morning, this room was pitch black. Look around, I got no windows in here. But the room is light because we brought the light. They're just bulbs. But we turned them on. The power of God can turn each one of us on to be a light to the world around us. I'm going to play some music. Got two songs. The first one's a little slow. It's a great song if you want to come and pray here. If you need someone to help give you words to say, grab me, I'll walk you through asking God to set your being on fire with His light. Maybe you just want to sing the song. Stand and sing. That's fine. Do that. Listen to the words. Feel what they mean. Pray for understanding of how you can fit that meaning into your world. Because it's the beginning of a new year. This is the first Sunday of the new year. What better time to offer yourself and your allegiance to a loving God? Because in this coming year, we are going to try to figure out how do we best take our light out to the world around us and make this place, this community, a bigger family of people who care about each other. Are you with me? Pray with me before we say our benediction. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your light and your love. As we go out of this place, Lord, I pray that you would carry... uh, 
that light in each and every one of us. Let us be your, your torchbearers, your, your lanterns in the darkness. Find ways that we can choose to share your love with others and make sure that we are confronted with those this week. Make us uncomfortable until we follow your path. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.